Good morning, uh, Journey Church. I will be honest with you guys. Uh, as we were filming this, I thought to myself, I never thought I'd be an actor, and I don't think I will be. But we were filming this, and we had another idea, and I thought it was a bad idea. And it turned out I became the bad idea in these videos. So it's been a, uh, I don't know, I had no idea how I was going to transition from that video to now. But I am excited to be here with you guys. My name is Kyle. I am the student minister. I've been living in Kentucky for about three months now. And Kentucky has been really, really good to me. I've been impressed. I would say I was nervous about moving out here. I was a little bit, you know, I had no idea what to expect. But man, Kentucky's been good. I was at Red River Gorge yesterday, uh, and I don't want to say it was gorgeous, but I want to say it was, you know, and you got to have, okay, students enjoy my cheesy jokes, not as much as you guys. That's okay. I will get used to it. I thought, I was told you guys enjoyed dumb humor, and I guess we'll find out. We'll work on it. It'll be a task. We'll all get a little bit better at dumb humor and something I've learned from my dad, but I am excited to be here. Uh, the students are fantastic, man. God is up to something in their lives that I am so excited that I get to be a part of. And the leaders back there, man, they're fantastic. They are fantastic. They love your students, and your students are fantastic. And parents, just so you know, I'm just as much here for you as I am here for your students as well. I want to partner with you. Now, I do get to steal a little bit of your thunder because your students, I tell them the same things that you tell them. But Someday, on Sunday, they're going to come home and be like, man, did you hear? Kyle said this really cool thing. And you're going to be like, what did he say? And you're like, he said, don't be a jerk to people. And you're going to be like, I tell my kids that every day. Well, it makes it, it's just a different voice, and it's a pleasure of mine that I get to steal your thunder. Kentucky is now the fifth state that I have lived in. I have lived in Missouri, Kansas, Oregon, and Colorado. And Kentucky now the fifth one. I've moved around quite a bit. And, but man, like I said, Kentucky is cool. I've got a picture of my family here. My immediate family all lives back in Colorado. This is at my sister's wedding back in June of 2020. I've got mom and dad, that is Doug and Valia. They are absolutely fantastic people. I'm honored to call them my parents. I get to see them soon, so I will save all my snide remarks for them when I get to see them face to face. I've got my brother and, or my sister and brother-in-law. That is Tori, and that is Cody. Uh, Cody's the coolest. He is by far my favorite favorite family member, uh, and that's them. He, actually, once I'd comment, sorry, my sister, uh, me and Cody have this mutual understanding that we both, under, we both see my sister's flaws. Nobody else does in this world, but Cody gets it, so I am here for Cody. I, and I am on Cody's side in any argument in our family, and it's fantastic. He is my brother. Uh, we are continuing in our series called Spooked, where we are looking at rather weird stories in the Bible, and we're going to pull some life application and see what to do with those. Uh, we are in the story of Saul, and his life is spiraling out of control. He is another leader that at this point, he has finally messed up. This is kind of the last point in his life. And so we have a leader that has messed up. And I don't know about you guys, if you pay attention to the news, we have a lot of leaders messing up in the world. We have a lot of people falling from grace. We've got fishermen stuffing weights into fish and then in competition. I can't imagine. That's crazy. But they, I saw the video. Did you guys see the video of this? They're just like stuffing weights. And you're just like, what? This is, there wasn't any like checks for this? I don't know. I don't get it. Uh, but we've also got, you know, celebrities slotting into people's DMs and saying things they shouldn't be doing. We've got the Try Guys on YouTube, and I don't know what's going on there. I won't read that article, but... It's a crazy world that we live in where leaders are messing up left and right. And as I've started in ministry here now about three months, I just started asking myself this question like, man, 
what do I do? Am I supposed to, am I going down a path like that? Do I need to put, like, what do I do? I don't know if you guys ask those questions when leaders in our life mess up, but man, that's something I've been thinking about a lot because I also have seen it with pastors in the three months that I've been here where it seems like every other week it's another person that's messed up. And so I want to kind of answer and ask two questions of what do I do when the leaders in my life fail and what do I need to do to prevent those in my life? So we're going to look at 1 Samuel uh, chapter 28. Uh, there's a lot going on here, and I'm just going to give a brief paraphrase, but it starts out in verse 3. It says, By this time Samuel had died, and all, all Israel had mourned for him and buried him in Ramah, his city. And Saul had removed the mediums and spiritists from the land. So Saul is a king at this time. This is the first king for the nation of Israel. And Samuel is a prophet. Now, Samuel, is a pro Samuel has died, but a prophet is somebody who speaks on God's behalf, and he is the main spiritual consultant for the nation of Israel. And as the story goes on, there is a Philistine army that is camped out, and, Saul, and King Saul starts to get a little bit scared of what to do. He speaks, no prophet comes to him because the prophets have rejected him. They don't, listen, they, don't, they don't honor his kingship anymore. They now listen to, you no, know, they are waiting for David to become king. So they aren't talking to Saul. He, Saul uses the spiritists, or he, does, he actually gets rid of the spiritists, as we see, but he, the prophets aren't speaking to him. He's, using, he's expecting God to show up in a dream, which he hasn't really done in Samuel's life, but he's expecting it. So he starts to get really scared, and so he actually goes and finds a medium and a spiritist and a even though he just got rid of him, which is a little bit weird for Saul, but that's a little bit more of Saul's story. He's like, I just got rid of him, but you know, it's okay, I'll go use one. Saul is uh, a confusing guy, but he goes and does this. But the first thing to know about destructive paths is that they don't start out destructive. They actually start out with good intentions usually. Like they, it's just not, I don't like using the word slippery slope because I don't think if you just do one thing, you're automatically going down the pit of life and you all mess up. I think good intentions without healthy boundaries and where you aren't checking your motivations and intentions, that's when we can kind of start to get a little bit dangerous. So we have to be watching those things in our lives. But one of the other things to know about Saul is he's not that good at this obedience thing. That's actually one of the main things we see in his life. Uh, in 1 Samuel chapter 15, Samuel approaches Saul and says, it is better to obey than it is to sacrifice. It is better to obey than it is to sacrifice. So Saul is a lot like a teenager when you ask them to do the dishes. And 30 minutes later, you come back, there aren't, the dishes aren't done. So you go and find your teenager in their room, and you're like, why haven't you done the dishes? But the room looks spotless. And they're like, well, I cleaned my room instead. And you're like, well, that's not what I asked you to do. And then your kid gets mad at you and says, I could never do anything right. And that's kind of what Saul's relationship with God looks like, is he doesn't do the things that he's specifically asked for, but he does these other things instead. And it's a little bit confusing, but that's kind of Saul's character as well. But Saul has good intentions. There's a giant army that's facing him. He's scared. He doesn't know what to do. So we have to be checking those motivations. Saul, uh, Proverbs 4.26 says, Give careful thought to the paths for your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. We have to be watching those intentions, and so it's okay to want to help people, but we have to start making sure we aren't seeking the approval of people because we want people to like us. It's okay to work more, but we have to start checking those things. We have to start checking those intentions in our life. We have to make sure there's healthy boundaries there, and we'll get, talk a little bit more about boundaries later, but we have to be watching those intentions in our life. Uh, as the story continues with Saul, he actually goes and finds this medium, and he, uh, she... 
raises up Samuel from uh, the grave and talks to him, and it's a little bit strange. And actually, I don't know if you read it, which I highly encourage you to. It's a really uh, interesting story, and if you guys do actually have any questions when you read it, you can ask Jeremy. He is your pastor. He can answer those questions for you. He said last week he'll take you out to coffee. I will. He will. I will gladly do it too, but I would go to Jeremy. He's much smarter than me. He will answer it much smarter. But he goes and finds this woman, and he ra- she raises up Samuel, and Samuel is quite mad at Saul, and she's also terrified. I don't know if this means this is the first time that she's ever like actually performed her job or what's going on, but Samuel actually has a very harsh response to Saul. And this is what he says in verse 16. He says, since the Lord has turned away from you and has become your enemy, why are you asking me? The Lord has done exactly what he said through me. The Lord has torn the kingship out of your hand and given it to your neighbor, David. You did not obey the Lord. You did not carry out his burning anger against Amalek. Therefore, the Lord has done this to you today. The Lord will also hand Israel over to the Philistines along with you. Tomorrow, you and your sons will be with me, and the Lord will hand Israel's army over to the Philistines. So Saul is in this continual pattern of not being obedient to God. And you and I have seen what happens when we go down these destructive paths. And the second thing to know about destructive paths is there is no joy down them. And I'm not talking about the ones that we experience or that we see on the news. You and I have seen joy sucked out of the small things. Like, what about the destructive path of overworking? Like, there are seasons in our life where we work more, and that's okay. But the issue becomes when that season was supposed to end two years ago. And we start coming home, and we ha- don't have any energy, energy with our family, and we are neglecting our responsibilities in the household, and the morale of the family is down, and you haven't gone on a family vacation in two years. Those destructive paths, what we're finding out about vacations and families is one of the key aspects for kids' overall happiness and development is actually to go on vacations. That's an, uh, there was a study done in the UK. They asked adults, tell me about the time you were happiest in your life. of them go back to when they were a kid on a family vacation. 49%. Think about all the other options in life, all the other times in life where you can ask, that's when I was happiest. Not your wedding, not your day your first kid being born, definitely not the day your second kid being born, (laughs) but it's a family vacation. There's no joy down destructive paths. I also think about what about the destructive path of being a little bit too involved in politics, Politics is a good thing. We want good citizens. We want people to care for their city and their, their state and their country. That's a great thing. But you and I have seen the life-sucking, soul-wrenching anger that comes out of people in politics. One of the hardest nights in my life of working with students was election night in 2020. I had 17 middle schoolers at my house. We still couldn't meet at the church, and there were no amount of games, fun YouTube videos we could do. They were all sucked to their phones and wanted to watch the election instead. And I was baffled because when I was their age, I really didn't care about anything. But I had to finally ask the questions, why do you care so much about this? And a student told me, and I'm not kidding, I only want a certain candidate to win so my dad can be happy. Like, man, like that's gut-wrenching stuff. There's no joy down those paths. And look, I don't know all the circumstances that are going on down there, but it's not joy. If a kid just wants your dad to be happy and he's trying to find it in a candidate, Man, that's tough stuff. There is no joy down destructive paths, but there is still grace. I think a lot about the story of Saul. So the nation of Israel was never supposed to have a king. They weren't. 
God was supposed to be their king. God wanted the nation of Israel to come to him for direction and purpose and guidance and protection. But the nation of Israel wanted to be like the other nations, and so they finally get a king in Saul. And I think a lot about these words uh, that are said to him on his uh, day of confirmation as king. And it's, I love the way the message puts this as well. It says, uh, Samuel said, don't be fearful. It's true that you have done something very wrong. All the same, don't turn your back on God. Worship and serve him with heart and soul. Don't chase after ghost gods. There's nothing to them. They can't help you. There's, they're nothing but ghost gods. God, simply because of who he is, is not going to walk off and leave his people. God took great delight in making you into his very own people. So when you and I mess up, when you and I start to go down these destructive paths, we think our best response is to give God space, just like how we do in our relationships with people. We think God is just filled with anger. We filled with anger. We just, oh, we just need to give him space. But God is actually the opposite. God is much more gentle with us than you and I could ever imagine. God is not the parent of a teenager who has broken curfew, where you stand at the door with your arms crossed and you say, when they walk in, well, we're going to have a long conversation about this in the morning. That's not God's relationship to us. God welcomes us in, wants to have a meal. God is much more like a grandparent in that sense. Grandparents don't care about anything. They just love you for you. I love my grandparents. They don't tell me what to do with my life, unlike my parents. And so they, that's much more God's love in our life, is welcomes us in and wants to have a meal with us. So there is grace down destructive paths. God is so much more gracious to us than you and I could ever imagine. So the question then becomes, what does this look like in our lives? And it looks like two things. I think it looks like with our words. So words are more powerful than you and I could ever realize. God created the earth with just by speaking things into existence. So we have to watch the words we speak about people when they go down destructive paths. I don't think the Christian response is judgment to people going down destructive paths. This is when it becomes a plank versus speck issue when Jesus talks about in Matthew 7 is, man, they're going down a destructive path, but you still got a plank in your own eye. Like there is still something in your, there are still issues in our lives. We can't be rude to people going down this destructive path. It's just not the best response because you don't know who's listening. Your kids, they listen to you and they don't, it's not a healthy environment to be growing your kids and, work, and being thankful that people are going down destructive paths because when they start going down those destructive, destructive paths themselves, shame only ever fills their life because then they don't feel like they can go to you because then they're going to make the quick comment of, well, if you just would have done this instead. No, God welcomes us in into those moments. The second thing is it looks like why we have to be careful is it could be you or I that go down those destructive paths. I've got a family friend who I loved and respected and he's still going down a destructive path. He, man, I, and he was, he's a great guy. Well, he was, honestly. He's, I don't know if he's in jail or if he's in prison now. Like, he's just gone down this destructive path. He has spiraled out of control. And I can't look at that situation and say, man, that's never going to happen to me because I never would have thought it would have happened to him. Sin is so much more destructive in our lives than you and I could ever imagine as well, but there's still grace there. So then what does it look like with actions? So it looks like uh, really healthy boundaries. So I have a really weird fear that when I fill up gas, I'm going to drive off with still the gas pump in my car. Like I just, so I don't ever get back in my car. I just, doesn't matter how cold it is, doesn't matter what, I never get back in my car. Healthy boundaries are a good thing. This is why Baptists don't allow hand-holding because it leads to dancing. This is a healthy thing, Baptists. It's a good thing to have. So maybe it looks like the healthy boundary of saying no to some things. 
Maybe it looks like the healthy boundary of using all your PTO this year. And if you're a real slacker, you use those sick days. They're there for a reason. You can plan sick days, everybody else does. Like use those, take time out of your day. The best memories you can make with your kid are when you go out of your way and go and get involved in their life. Maybe that's the boundary you set up. Maybe you struggle with looking at things on the internet you shouldn't be looking at, so maybe you never take your phone into your room. Maybe you're gonna take your computer or your iPad, whatever it is, into your room. Maybe that's what that healthy boundary looks like for you. Maybe it looks like deleting social media off your phone when, you start, when the next big political crisis happens, because you and I know, man, that, that just angers the heart, and what they're finding about social media is the more time people spend on it, they actually grow, they actually start to lack empathy for others. So maybe the next big crisis happens, maybe you delete social media off your phone. Maybe you start to say no to some things in your life so you can start to say yes in the more important things. Maybe you, just, maybe, say, maybe you say no to actually helping your neighbor because you've got other things you need to do in your life. But ultimately, the best boundary that you and I can set up in our lives is the, to continue to hold on to Jesus. That's the best boundary that we can set up. So Jesus, uh, well, back in the old uh, little house on the prairie days of Oregon Trail, uh, farmers would tie a rope from their door to the uh, barn door because storms would come in and what they would find is that farmers would die within hundreds of yards of their place because they'd get lost in the middle of a blizzard. So they would tie a rope and they would hold onto it as they would walk from their door to the barn. When you and I hold on to Jesus that way, we grow in humility, we grow in grace. Our life doesn't become as sour. We don't become as sour to people. That is the best boundary that you and I can put in our lives, is that continuing to hold on to Jesus. Their dangerous paths don't start out destructive. There's no joy down them, but there is still grace down those paths. God is a good God, and he cares about us, and there is always grace. We never run out of it. So I'm going to pray for us, and the band will come up, and we'll continue in worship.